Welcome to Organic Matters. I'm going to do this part of the show on something I don't think I've done, at least in years, because it sort of doesn't cover the gardener, or it didn't used to. It was always based around big farms and almost industrial farming. But now I've kind of tailored it down to use cover crops to improve your soil, but in the more home, what I call home garden or the smaller garden with the tools you own. There are really like three ways to improve soil. Grow cover crops, which we're going to talk about. Mulch the surface with some sort of biodegradable mulch, something that breaks down to feed the soil. And or dig in organic soil amendments that have already broken down now, such as really completed compost, rotted manures and wood chips, but they do need to be either broken down when you put them in the soil, already turned into a good organic material, or initially these things will actually steal nutrient, especially nitrogen, from the soil around it until it gets to a position where it's releasing it again. So I, I, one of the most common things I used to see is people would buy, I just call it mulch, and it was mulch, but it wasn't completed. And then they would put it in the ground rather than on the ground. And then it takes away for a while. It will come back. In a few years, your soil will be, that's how soil is built. But Mother Nature doesn't dig it in. She lays it on the ground. Go look at any forest. Go look at any fields that have laid down in the winter that were grass. It all goes on top and works its way down. Uh, when you put that same material in the ground, it actually, for a while, throws your soil off balance. So we don't want to do that. As I said in the beginning, information on using cover crops has been tailored to the needs of farmers. You know, the guys who use tractors and uh, big commercial mowers to, to turn in their crops. But, you know, when your main tool for taking down plants has got a wooden handle, and you measure your area in square feet rather than acres. You need a special set of cover crop plants and a special way of handling that's a little different. So we're gonna to try to discuss that to tailor it to what I call myself the average gardener. Well, what is a cover crop? A cover crop is any plant for the primary purposes of improving your soil. Since way back in the 1900s, farmers have used cover crops to restore fertility to worn out land. In addition to helping bulk up the soil and with organic matter, cover crops prevent erosion, suppress weeds, and create and cycle soil-borne nutrients and microbes using the power of, basically, its solar power of the sun. Recent advances in soil biology have revealed two more ways cover crops can actually improve your soil. Let me just do one paragraph that's sort of science-sounding, but then, then we'll get back to how we really do it. The fancy science word for it is rhizodeposition, and that's really a special advantage of working with cover crops. Many plants actually release sugars and other substances through their roots. They're like little solar engines. The sun gets the plant going and it deals with the sugars and other substances that are in and around the roots themselves, pumping energy literally down into the soil from the sun. With really vigorous cover plants, this process goes on much more deeply than you would ordinarily ever dig. Some of the cover crops we use, such as oats or rye, can reach down to six feet in just one growing season. If you're leaving your garden beds bare in the winter, you're actually missing the chance to use cold-hardy crops, such as cereal rye or oats, 
to, in essence, solar charge your soil through the winter. Thanks to this release of sugars, the root tips of many plants host colonies of really helpful microorganisms. And as the roots go deeper, the microbes, of course, follow them. Okay, so much for the scientific talk stuff. If you've experimented with cover crops, perhaps you have dug up young fava beans or alfalfa seedlings and, and just marvel at the nitrogen nodules. You'll see them right on their roots. Those are working for you folks. Or if you've watched a stand of buckwheat go from seed to bloom in just four weeks flat. Or maybe this one. It's April and the soil is warming and drying out. After loosening a clump of that, maybe you've put some fall-sown wheat in, you pitch it up with a pitchfork and pull up a, a whole mop of fibrous roots and shake out the soil. Perfect crumb, we call it. That kind of soil structure is nothing short of amazing for your garden. These are the moments that, that I've looked for and lived to appreciate as a true organic gardener. There's actually dozens of plants that have what I would call the talents, the special talents to serve as cover crops. We'll talk about a few of them a little later, but you have to think about where you live and if you live in an extremely hot, cold, wet, or dry climate, then you probably are best to check since this particular show goes a lot all over the country. You should check with your local farm store or, of course, the best places, your state extension service for the exact plant recommendations for your area for cover cropping, especially if you want to use cover crops under the higher stress conditions, very, very cold, very, very hot. And you can. There are cover crops for all those situations. Always be aware that many cover crop plants do and can become weedy, and we're going to talk about that. But believe it or not, that's an asset, although you don't think about it uh, as a as a gardener, vegetable gardener especially. So they should almost always be taken down before they set seed. And that's part of the advantage of why we cover crop. So let's talk a little bit here about how do you actually take down your cover crops. For those who haven't tried it, this is sort of the sticking point for most gardeners when it comes to using cover crops, which is why it's a good idea to start small with your first cover crop plantings. Traditionally, cover crops are plowed under in the big world, but most gardeners either chop, cut, or pull them up. And then when you pull them up, you've got another addition. You use them to go into your mulches and compost pile. You don't waste anything. Well, if you're really in the country and you can, in a situation to do this, one of my favorite ways is to just let my chickens, my guineas, uh, poultry, let's use the word poultry, Close them in there. It's usually a way you can keep them in the garden. You don't even have to really close them in. If you'll let them in, they'll take care of it. And they'll do a good amount of, of cleaning that area off for you and making it into pretty usable material, if you know what I mean, uh, in a very short time. Any of these methods will work, and it's possible that composting cover crop plants actually produces a more balanced soil amendment compared to chopping uh, and raw chop approaches. And actually, if you want to use your garden quickly, it's better pulling the plants. It probably saves time, too, because you don't have to wait. If you just chop it down and let it set, folks, it gives you need to give it about two or three weeks, a little more. A month is even better. In order to avoid possible negative reactions, this is I've talked about in soil before, between plants as they break down into residue and the plants you want to grow. 
For example, some of the cover crops, one I use once called Sudex, it's a really fast-growing sort of a sorghum grass, produces tremendous amounts of well, biomass, of plant, a lot of plant at a time. But fresh Sudex residue actually inhibits the growth of certain plants. I, I know I had a problem with tomatoes, lettuce, broccoli, that kind of thing. Uh, for the for a few weeks because it's still using up the energy that it needs to break itself down. But if you pull that out, put that in the compost pile, uh, everything else in that ground has already been enriched by the roots that were in there, and you can plant right into that soil immediately. So if you want to do the, I call myself the lazy gardener. If you want to do the lazy gardener method, you can just chop in any fresh cover crop you have. Just plant on waiting. I say at least two weeks, but usually three or four weeks. Cut it out three or four weeks ahead, let it lay there and settle, and then just plant right through it. You don't have to plow. You don't have to dig the whole place up and move it. Just plant through that, that ground cover. Here are just a few cover crops that work well in a very wide range of climates and situations. I think it's like from zone four to nine, somewhere in that area, most of where we garden. And they're not hard to get rid of, not hard to take down as long as you do it at the right time and that's become very self-explanatory once you're growing it uh, and the right way to take them down and there's a choice at that. So I selected about six just because they're easy to manage with what I call our everyday gardening hand tools and some are for different times of the year. Some people have the different, uh, only want spring gardens, some will We'll wait and do a lot of fall gardens. Some don't do any fall gardening, and that's the time to use a, a, a winter or a fall cover crop. During the summer, if you have a reason to cover any area, and no area should be left bare. Buckwheat is really kind of in a class by itself. You just sow the seeds on a, on a little bit of moistened soil, and in almost all conditions, within a week or 10 days, you've got literally a sea of green out there. It's extremely fast growing. It might get a little tall, you think, I don't want. It'll get as much as two feet high if, if you give it time to, to go ahead and seed out and, and get to its full maturity. And that's usually, believe it or not, in less than a month. A month or five weeks will give it all the time you need. Should you need to reclaim the space that has been overtaken by the invasives, buckwheat can be your best friend. In my garden, buckwheat has been a huge ally in cleaning up spots of overrun weeds like dock and bindweed and I call them just the other nasty weeds that I have to put up with. And all the time that buckwheat has sort of battling with the weeds, it still attracts bees and other buzzers and butterflies and everything come in droves. And fortunately, even mature buckwheat plants are as easy to take down as an impatient, if you've ever done it. Simply pull the succulent plants with a twist of the wrist, or if you don't mind, use a hoe or a scythe. Cut them off at soil line, just right at the soil line. You can then let the dead plants just die into a surface mulch and plant right through them, or gather them up and compost them, or even chop them into the soil. If you do that again, you're going to want it to wait a, a few weeks and still go right ahead and plant through that chop. And let me mention a few others. If it's still warm soil, if you've done a spring planting, it's de dead summer or middle of summer, you really don't want to plant yet, throw in some barley. Okay, barley is really fast-growing grain. It's great 
for capturing that excess nitrogen from your summer crops, which might otherwise get leached away during the winter. Barley often suffers from cold injury if you're at zone six. In other words, it can get frostbitten if you're above zone six. If you get it zone five, it'll kill it, and that's not always bad. If it kills it at the right time, it just lays it down on the ground, and you've got your instant mulch again in the spring, and that's good. The dead barley residue shelters the soil from the winter and dries into its, a what I always call it, a plant right through mulch in the spring. Very easy, uh, I call it low-maintenance, lazy gardening. And let me just mention a few others, and you can, you can work with them as you see fit. Oats good ground cover. Cold hardy winter peas, and there's none of them out there, actually also collect nitrogen and add it to your soil. Excellent. A bigger plant, but still okay for a garden, it's called hairy vetch. And of course, cereal rise will work. All work the same way. You cut them, plant through them, or pull them up and stick them in your compost pile. So more than you want to know, like everything I always try to do about cover crops, Hope you'll give it a try. Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters.